Hey there, everybody. Let's jump right in. Let's timestamp it. Welcome to episode number two, PC, post-coronavirus. I am Ted King, your host here on King of the Ride podcast. Now, given that this is the new normal, we have switched gears here. I'm testing out a new format. I do have some recorded podcasts in the hopper pre-pandemic that we were going to release sooner than later, but I really wanted to test thing out new to keep the content as fresh as can be in these unprecedented times. So very much like podcast dominator, Joe Rogan out there who records both a podcast and a video, I have stepped up with a video production of, of our own. We don't have Joe's $2.3 million budget. Instead, we have the benefits of the first tier of Zoom's paid account program, plus the patience of our guests and our listeners. I'm kidding, mostly. This is the new format, and it is sweet, and I'm very excited to bring it to you. Additionally, as much as this show will remain being called King of the Ride, this particular indefinite series is going to be called the COVID-19 Questions. As in, we all know the game 20 questions, right? It's that game you play as a kid with your parents on a long car ride. Maybe you're at summer camp. It's late into the night. You're just trying to kill time before going to sleep. Well, I think there's something vaguely similar to what's going on in those two scenarios as what we're all doing now hunkered down. We as a global community are hunkered down. We are testing out our patience to see what is going to be on the other side of this pandemic. As such, instead of 20 questions, I've got 19 of them up my sleeve. Ergo, the COVID-19 questions. I've got 19 questions all lined up, queued up for our guests. Will we get to them all? Who knows? Only one way to find out, and that is to listen straight on through. Moreover, as I introduce them to Tim, our guest today, I don't want to stew on coronavirus. It is top of mind for everybody worldwide. It is drowning the mainstream media, social media. It is the start and end to every conversation. When you're talking to your neighbor across the street, when you're saying hi to the mailman, when you're chatting to the kindly checkout person at the grocery store, which you do every four weeks since going to the grocery store is such a dangerous activity. It's the, it's the first thing that everybody talks about. And so as much as we're going to touch on how COVID is affecting the lives of our guests, I also want to pay conscious, concerted attention to not talk about it. Let's hit on some normalcy on what's going on amid a global anormalcy. All right, no sense in beating around the bush anymore. Tim Johnson is our first guest on the COVID-19 questions. Very dear friend of mine, guest on this show way, way back, episode number seven, Many-time national champion, many-time 200 on 100 and 200 not on 100 rider. As I Googled his name, I found the terms the golden boy of cycling, the superhero of cycling. Yep, that, that one, that's the one. That is our Tim Johnson guest today. Now, every King of the Ride podcast has been done face-to-face. And so, as we get up to speed in these socially distanced times, this conversation is obviously going to take place over a computer screen. Tim and I are in each other's company, albeit virtually. We are looking at each other. If you care to watch this conversation, as I touched on at the beginning, plus catch some extra bonus cuts not available on this particular podcast, you can go see those on the King of the Ride YouTube channel. Tune in there. Go to YouTube, type in King of the Ride, you're going to find them. 
The point being, yes, tune in on YouTube if that's your jam. Additionally, stay tuned through the very end because Tim and I are going to hit on some standout moments that really make this a timeless conversation. It's not all drab corona talk. There is some, there is some pure gold out there. Now, this conversation did take place at 5 p.m. on a Friday. Let's be honest. Who knows what day it is anymore? We are sipping some bright yellow Sip of Sunshine IPAs to embrace that happy hour for all it's worth, to enhance that togetherness despite being a few hundred miles apart. Actually, as a crow flies, Tim and I are probably 80 miles apart, 70, 60. We're pretty close. Of note which will make more sense as you get through this episode, I will put the better pandemic distractions that Tim and I talk about into the show notes below. So if a particular book or YouTube channel or YouTube video or Twitter handle sounds particularly interesting, I hope to have them all listed below. Let's not beat around the bush any further, folks. Here is my virtual Corona 19-question conversation with Tim Johnson. We are obviously in some crazy times mm-hmm. amid a global pandemic and with so much strife, so much confusion going on in the world, because literally every conversation, every tweet, every piece of social media, every news story has coronavirus top of mind. I want to, of course, start by breaking the ice with the obvious. We're going to talk coronavirus. Now, there exists 20 questions, like the game of 20 questions. We're going to play 19 questions. COVID-19 questions. Perfect. Yeah. So I got 19 questions. I don't know how many we're going to get to here, but but we're going to start oh with God. some COVID and then we're going to definitely go off topic. I, I don't want to talk about COVID, but let's start with the, the easy and obvious. Yeah. What is the greatest number of days that you've not left your house? Wow. Um, my yard or my house? What's the difference? Uh, we'll go. T- it's a twofer. It's a twofer one. Uh, yard or sorry, house <clears throat> and then property. Okay, I have not left my house. Uh, well, I mean, we have two dogs, so I, okay. I have left my house every single day. Very good. Um, to leave the yard and go somewhere else, uh-huh. pretty small. Um, the beginning of it, I was shopping for uh, my wife's parents and her <laughs> brother. They were both out of the country. They were quarantining once they returned. Uh-huh. So I was the guy at the grocery store with a cart filled with stuff. Very but I wasn't stuff. trying to hoard it. I was buying it for other people because they couldn't yeah. go themselves. Um, so I was I left every day for a couple of days and a couple of times each day. Uh-huh. But since then, man, I I've you know we've transitioned to delivery a lot of stuff and I haven't left I haven't left the yard in a while actually. The only other time I left actually was to go pick up coffee and beer. So necessities. I mean I would have had a I would have been fine explaining that to a cop if I was pulled over. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Which is happening up here, actually. Like, officer, are... CDC, 40% increase in, in alcohol consumption. It's exactly. I was keeping it local. I was going Quebec. Although, Very this good. is uh, my sixth to last can of Sip of Sunshine. So, not written down one of my questions. Um, <laughs> what is the 
the most number of days that you've gone without consuming alcohol. I've gone two days dry. This is the third day, and I thought it was fitting to go, you know, drink a, a nice Vermont IPA for my homies up in Canada. You went two in a row. Good for you. I went two in a row. Awesome. Thank you. Well, and then I almost went with a. Uh, the first mm-hmm. one I pulled out was Green Empire Brewing. Great stuff out of uh, I think Essex. Mm-hmm. I nearly pulled out this new Lawson's Triple, which is a ten wow. percenter in a twelve wow. ounce can, but I decided not to. So okay. yeah, here's to our homies. Well, and- we're all disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking that much like gravel and cyclocross, there's the assumption that you drink. There's the assumption that you like finish the day, have a beer, have some kind of alcohol. Mm-hmm. It leaves a lot of people out. It leaves the people who drink wine out generally, unless it's like a progressive race organizer or ride organizer that knows that there are people who don't want <laughs> just a hazy IPA, which I, I totally get. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, See, there's even people who drink lagers. It's weird. But there are also people who don't drink at all. Correct. And imagine if this fucking pandemic took place in January, dry, wary, like yeah. not happening. No. That'd yeah, be the that worst. a lot of dry, wary. <laughs> yeah. God. Mm-hmm. More coffee oh man brutal okay yeah. jump into actual question number two yeah. go for are it are you currently wearing pants mm-hmm. yeah very good did i just put them on yeah yes special for this video at the <laughs> yes. risk of possibly standing up um you're looking good you're looking like the tim johnson we know and love what was the I last mean, day you took a shower oh i just took one but it's <laughs> when when did i wash my hair last uh-huh. i was kind of I don't know. I, was, I thought we'd go for something, a little uh, quarantine fro. I feel yeah. like that's happening. Um, I like that. I have a new neighbor up here who you mentioned who I hadn't met yet. Uh, he, uh, Ryan Atkins mm-hmm. and his wife, Lindsay, mm-hmm. are two Spartan race machines um, who I didn't know who you were talking about when you said, hey, the guy that I did the ride in Northern Canada with last year just moved to your town. Ryan Atkins. And I was like, don't know him. Mm-hmm. Turns out that he lives like as the crow flies, maybe 2K away. Oh, um, wow. He lives in a great spot up on a hill. They've got like chickens and a co-op area. They're, they're tapping trees and boiling. Yeah. Tap. Um, he's got a gigantic dog uh-huh. who we, we've actually already met on the trails around uh-huh. here without knowing who they are. Sunto. Um, Sunto, yeah. the giant, yeah. what do you, Akita? Yeah, that thing is a... Alaskan a, Malmamute. There you go. Crazy um, animal. Huge. But it's like, I don't know. So I, uh, I'm working out in the yard and I don't have a great back, you know, and I'm also kind of lazy and I'm looking around and I've got all of these trees that I've cut down over the last couple of years that I need moved. Uh-huh. So I take a photo and I'm like, <laughs> hey, Ryan... <laughs> Your whole job is to pick shit up and put it down. Yeah. I'm like, when can you come over here and help me with these trees? That's <laughs> so outstanding. That's the next project we're working on. It's a, you know, quarantine activity, you know, workout for him. Maybe uh-huh. he'll like ride and deliver some food to some elderly people in town and then come over and pick up a bunch of tree trunks and then drop them somewhere else. And yeah. I don't need to use a four-wheeler, you know? That's, I got that's him. brilliant. He, and, and that's his jam. Like when we did the, the James Bay descent, his idea is to like train and do life adventures all the same instead of like arbitrarily picking up a tire and flipping it over. So you give him a task of like, 
Moving all of the lumber out of your yard, he's going to freaking love it. <laughs> well, if I could turn the trees into lumber, even better. But yeah. at this point, all I want is like, I want to move just big hunking tree trunks. I want to yeah. roll them places. Yeah. I want to put them, you know, I want to take, take them from here and put them over there. Like, uh-huh. Ryan, I need your help. Be a, be a good neighbor, please. I like it. I like it. Um, okay. What is the most overused term amid the coronavirus pandemic? And I can give you some options. Okay. Shelter in place, self-quarantine, Donald Trump, quarantini, hunker down, and Anthony Fauci. There's not enough quarantinis. No. Uh, there's not enough Dr. Fauci. Uh-huh. There's way too much Trump. Uh-huh. The multiples. Um there's not enough shelter in place. No. There's there's a lot of self-isolate, which I, I think that the definition is kind of hazy. Uh-huh. Um, Twitter's probably a word that I hear a lot, maybe too much. Uh, but at the same time, it's a great place to, to learn good information. Yeah. Uh, two people to follow, Sarah Kenzador and A.T. Ruper, A-T-R-U-P-A-R. Uh, two two great accounts that I've followed for a couple of years, and god damn, they're hard to read. They're yeah, preaching some truth. Yeah, yeah, fascinating, huh? Uh, but yeah, it's um, you know, being on this side of the border, which yeah, let's set the the precedent. We've talked about where you are, but for those who don't know, you're in Canada right now. Um, sorry, I'm right over. You're right. Hold on. Well, now I just lost yeah. the. Yeah, there you are. Hi, Tim. Um, I'm right over there. This is New Hampshire, <laughs> the the twinning state over here. It looks a lot like Mississippi right now. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, exactly. Welcome to Mississippi. Those two, those two Home states. Sargum gum syrup and sorghum. No, we got Vermont. We got New Hampshire, and there's Tim <laughs> in this great white abyss, which is Canada. Oh, yeah, okay. huge. Mm-hmm. Tim's in Canada. What 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 all is going on up there? How's Trudeau doing? Uh, well, without being too biased, um, he's doing a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first step acknowledgement, got it. Uh, second step, you know, informing what is known, done, mm-hmm. um, helping people to not be panicked, also mm-hmm. done. Uh, keeping liquor stores open as an essential place, done. Requisite. Um, but you know, he's he's on TV every day and talking about what they're doing. So a little bit of a uh, little bit of compare and contrast, you know, Bijou Thomas, good friend of ours. Bijou is a, you know, restaurateur, small business owner. And I talked to him today and he's like, man, I've been trying to apply for this small business, um, you know, CARES Act stuff. And they keep changing how to do it, when to do it, what the information is. He's literally like, if I can get on the website, it's really hard to do. Um, he's trying to get help up here. Um, when they announced the support that they were going to do, it was $2,000 a month for four months to anyone who lost their job. And it was easy. It's like, you're still employed. You don't have a job, but you get this money in the U S you get $1,200 for each American, but then you have to jump through all the hoops to get it, you know, get that 1200, whatever. Um, they're doing a really good job of it. You know, it's this mix between, you know, the, um, crazy, uh, like clear sense of, um, 
belonging or, or citizenship in Germany where they deposit $5,000 in your account as a freelance graphic designer or journalist who's out of a job um, without you even having to apply because they already know who you are, where you live, what you do, you know, all your income, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, so that's pretty interesting to hear. But I think the most important thing has been this idea that if you're sick, if you feel ill, you go and get tested and you don't even think about it because you don't have to pay for it. You don't think about whether or not I'm going to go get tested and get dinged for the cost of it, you know, following up insurance, getting 400 letters in the mail, you know, months down the road, charging you for something you didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you are, in fact, um, you know, sick, you will get a test and they'll tell you like, yeah, you've got it or you don't have it. It's like what's going on in the States is, is brutal because it's just leaving so many people in the dark. And I think that's the difference between here and there. Same outcomes, generally, people are still getting sick, people are still, you know, potentially dying. But no one feels like they don't know what's coming. You know, it's like, there's no sense of fear in it. It's like an understanding of, oh, shit, how do I, how do I help? How do I do my part? But, you know, I think we're going to be okay, as long as we bunker down and do it. Yeah. Well, shoot. Yeah, I remember you talking about um, how Canada is doing a, a, bring back system where if you are a Canadian national and you're overseas, Canada is, I mean, shoot, that's probably why the hundred thousand people who are flying are the few people who are being brought back into the country. Yeah. Repatriating people. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. So they said, Hey, any Canadians abroad, please come home now. That was mm-hmm. like, that was like March 15th. They put out like the, the beacon, a giant maple leaf into the yeah. sky. <laughs> oh, I must Literally. come home. And, and you're like, wait, is it maple syrup falling from the sky? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? I don't get it. Are we using the same, you know, symbols here? <laughs> uh, yeah, but they're doing a good job. You know, they're they're bringing people home. And I get, you, I, I get a front row seat. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Well, so that's a two for question because we're talking family now. Uh, your mm-hmm. wife is a Canadian politician. And then the question that I was about to ask is your mother is in the States. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Uh, she's in Massachusetts. I mean, you'd ask me how my mom's doing. Like we got moms of a roughly similar age. Not too long ago, you said, how's your mom doing? And I, you know, it was basically that point. Is that how you're getting your news from the States is like checking with, with mom? And No, actually the, the good and the worst part is that we get Boston TV channels here on oh, nice. satellite. So uh-huh. I can just watch, you know, Boston news and then, you know, the national news on ABC, NBC, CBS, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my front row seat is pretty front row. Like, um, you know, Lynn, a former cyclist uh, from Quebec, uh, she ran for and won a seat in Canadian Parliament last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, contrary to what the idea of a political, you know, position is, that it's easy squeezy, you know, gravy train all the way, you know, as far as you can push it, it's not that at all, especially in this kind of situation. She's been working her ass off, but um, it has been really interesting to see the contrast every single day up close because it's easier for me to understand. Like, do you remember when people were like crashing the website on Canadian immigration after the election in 2016? And it was mostly people who were just curious, like, oh shit, you know, the person I voted for didn't win. I got to go to Canada. Um, well, now, like being in this position and seeing how things are really turning out, it's like, man, there's just 
there is such a difference in the way things are being addressed and whether or not you feel like you're a part of something that's going to work out all right. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. So my mom is down in mass. She's, she's doing well. She's got her, her friends that she, she socially distances with each day and yeah. they, you know, walk through the woods and hang out, look at birds and yeah. um, she's staying healthy and, and trying not to get infected. Um, you know, because she is in that, that really, um, you know, vulnerable population that, you know, that's like 20% chance. If you are one of those people, um, you are likely to be hospitalized. And then if you are hospitalized then there's a whole another, you know, decision that comes down the line. Accurate. Well, that was very, um, <laughs> uplifting, uplifting, but it was also, I mean, that was good. Like educational top down, like here's a good follow up to that. Do you know what COVID-19 stands for? I do. I do. Do you agree with me that a lot of people probably don't know what COVID-19 is? <laughs> yes. And it was, I mean, like, I'm not trying to plead smart. I listened to the right podcast the other day that told me what it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. COVID-19. So what do you got? Podcasts. Um, like Joe Rogan had on an epidemiologist on like March 9th or something, like uh-huh. March 8th. So early early-ish, you know, in this whole thing. And he talked a lot about what the the structure of this really is. And he did it in a way that, you know, his, it's like Howard Stern is an incredible person to talk to people that aren't typically spoken to by, you know, mainstream media, whatever it is. He's got his people and they love him and they listen to what he says. And he's able to educate them on different topics that they may not be able to get. Joe Rogan is is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's killing it with the number of people that are listening to his stuff and understanding it in a in a more educated way. He's a great interviewer because he just lets things unfold and will ask a question to like keep it going. Mm-hmm. So he had this guy on there and I I listened to it um among other things, but it's like it's funny it it really depends on where people get their information from. So oh. If it's coronavirus ID, you know, 2019 versus coronavirus 2002, which is, you know, the original SARS, like, I didn't know that at the start of this whole thing, but I'm definitely not afraid of learning something new. I think that's kind of what, you know, we're lucky. We've, We've been global participants, you know, because of our sport. We've been able to travel places and meet different people and understand that, it's not just the same thing that happens outside your doors. It happens outside everyone else's around the world. You know, yeah. so different. Do you, do you ever watch Vice News? Do you remember Vice? Channel? Yeah. yeah. Dude, yeah. Like everything you just said about Howard Stern and Joe Rogan and the modern media, it's like, yeah, where do you get your news? And certainly you could be on any political partisan side. And yeah. then there's something like, like Vice, which is, they're just showing you like what's the crazy stuff that's happening in the real world that you're never going to see on any network. Yeah. Um, Mike Creed introduced me to, to Vice and it was just, <laughs> oh God, this is like the black hole of the internet. Yeah, they'll show people getting killed in the streets who Accurate. are like trying to protest something and you're like, wait a second, I yeah. didn't realize, I, I didn't know why on they NBC were News. Yeah, I just saw that they were. I'd never under really, I never understood why. Ah, uh, crazy. Yeah. I don't know, like... I think that the benefit of um, the ability to have an internet, you know, the ability to have information coming at you all the time is great. And, you know, 
massively arming to people if you choose to like break out a little bit, you know, if you choose to look at other things. I I can look at other other sites that I don't often look at and I'm like, wow, that's what they're saying? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. Uh-oh. Yeah. Like, no wonder why that other person that I met the other day thought that way. I'm like, gosh, yeah. come on, people. <laughs> well, and man, it is such a... I don't want to go too far down this public <laughs> avenue. Um, we have some more breeze here. There is definitely a nature versus nurture aspect to where one is going to get their news. And I feel like that's more of a, well, I mean, it probably goes both ways. It is nature versus nurture. I feel like it is more of a nurture. It's like, what are you brought up in? Mm-hmm. What is your political leaning? What is your openness? What is your, what is your world traveledness? Like, what are you going to adopt? Okay, quick aside. Allow myself to interrupt myself. The answer to the question, which we never actually address, is COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. Also, please excuse any political ambiguity right here. This is not a political show. And if you have not seen Vice News, it is truly shocking stuff. Okay, back to the show. We're going to leave it right there, but then this is a great, it's a great segue that I did have as, as the next question. What is the best pandemic distraction that you have going on right now? <laughs> I, the answer can't be Zwift. No, God, no, no. I mean, like, a particular book. Although, it has its value, for sure. Like, 100%. no question. I am a fan. I, I do it. I like it. I will mm-hmm. look for it to, to save me at certain times. Yes. Hats Not off to Zwift. Hats mm-hmm. off to Eric Min for starting this thing. I sat mm-hmm. down with Eric Min and Dave Zabriskie in about 2000. Eric Min founded <laughs> Zwift. I think the year was 2010, 11, 12, something like that. Ah, uh, no, it was later than that. 12 or 13. And he's like, I'm going to put together this thing that is a video game cycling nebulous concept. And I, I, I think both Dave and I shrugged off the idea very quickly. But then over the course of the next 20 minutes, when he's describing the video game culture that exists online, I was like, all right, yeah, I get it. And then you talk about the people who can only ride a bike at, at 5.30 to 6.30 a.m. before they go to their corporate job. Okay, I yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. Never would I have guessed that it would take <laughs> it off to the extent it has especially not during a global pandemic. However, independent of all that, so not Zwift, mm-hmm. what is a particular book or or <clears throat> a brain-melting Instagram or great website? Like, what is something that has been your best pandemic distraction? Okay, a surprise, um, surprise place for me is Apple News. I, I pay the $10 a month. I get access to uh, the journal... Washington Post, um, you know, any number of magazines, New Yorker, New York, um, Vanity Fair, um, you know, GQ, I think it's in there, like whatever you want to pick is in there. Okay. I look at that a lot. Yeah. And I look at that because there's a lot of long reads in there. There's a lot of stuff. Hi, Laura. <laughs> Do you want to have a cameo? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Laura and Hazel, welcome to the show. The two... I mean, this is my first time really being near Hazel. Oh, she's on a sleep strike. Yeah, she was. Laura's like, I looked over at Laura and she was like, "I'm giving." Please, please. Yeah, Hazel, you want to use your words? Um, words. They're hard to get at. Uh, my zebras, though, my zebras speak for me. She speaks three languages. Oh, hi, hi Hazel. Hazel. Hazel, you're on the internet. 
That was my grandmother's name, as I as I mentioned when she was born, and that's such a cutie. We've heard of a lot of great aunts and grandmothers named Hazel, so hats off to Hazel Johnson or whatever. All the best names come back around. Yeah. That's right. Gosh. She's got a big Yeah, she got rescued from having to go down for a nap. She's not jumping into happy hours just yet. She needs to be sleeping right now. She Well, she smells the hops and she's like, yeah, I'm ready to party. <laughs> She used to be nocturnal, where she would purely come out at night and party. But yeah, at least she, at least she's figured out that nighttime. At is least she's busy. switched. Yeah, you don't want. Oh that. my gosh! I'm going to stare at my daughter for the next three hours. <laughs> I think that that's totally okay and understandable. You know, uh, people. Some people have pets in this whole pandemic. You guys have Hazel as a newborn. I mean, that's like perfect timing. We could not have timed it better. We didn't see this coming nine months and That's, four and a half weeks ago. I, you know, I had higher hopes for you guys, but uh, we were foresightful and all. Yeah. Um, what did you just say? Oh, Apple News. <laughs> that's what a good one. Say? What did you say? Um, um, yeah, so that's a surprise. Uh-huh. That I'm happy that it's there. Yeah. Um, and I looked to it a lot. Uh-huh. Um, books, actually, I have run out of English books to read here at the house. You practicing your French? Nope. Huh. I'm holding um, So Audio books? Do you do audio books? Not generally. Not unless I'm driving or yeah. riding outside, which I'm not right now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, you got a blizzard yesterday. Yeah, it was snowing pretty hard. How much did um, you get? We got an inch, but it's already gone. Yeah. It's not here anymore. Um, good. But the book on my bedside table is actually a biography of Trudeau because I figured I might as well try and read about the guy. Um, I'm reading a biography of Trump right now. <laughs> Are you really? No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever read Art of the Deal? Serious question. Uh, no, but old school Trump is amazing when you... I know. Like, like, you got to read it. Okay, okay. It's, it is... I, I read it... I read it like 10 years ago Yeah, and I found it. It was like a, a cast off book. You know, my mom's a librarian. This is one of these books that's just laying around and I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. I could, I could read this. Sure. I read it in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it is amazing. It's worth finding just to read. Yeah. And like, it's hard to read through your hand as it like, yeah. as it keeps going up. You know, as you're face bombing the whole time. So just make sure you read it as a library book so that dollars don't yeah. end up in the bank account. All right. Yeah. Um, but what am I doing now mostly? Um, so I got into, um, well, actually, I got into the Tor Flanders races recently. Mm-hmm. So hashtag Ronde Treasures. So okay. Tor Flanders 24. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I think, or 19, um, behind the scenes. So these are point of view from the, the people on motorcycles as cameramen, as judges in the cars, as directors, sportifs, or, you know, UCI or race organizers then the racers themselves. And then the team staff. And it like shows such a great 
you know, mix of all these different stories that culminates in the moment when the riders win. Um, so like virtually how much race coverage is there? Barely any. No kidding. But it's all happening. The timeline is the race. Yeah. And then they just feed in all these different pieces. Oh, it's super cool. It's great. Yeah. I found out through Rob Hatch on Twitter and, uh, followed through the links and then, you know, I just started watching them and they're like a, an hour and 15 minutes each. They, sh- they aired on, um, Sporza or Ain, I think, whatever that uh, Belgian TV channel is. But you can get this this fine. It's on, YouTube. on Netflix, YouTube. I knew YouTube. That. Yep, um, and it's free, and it's English subtitles. Yeah, with Flemish, and and so a lot of the directors are Italian speaking English or French speaking English or you know Belgian whatever. Yeah. Um, and so you'll have like moments where there's no subtitles, and then you go right back into it again, and then you know back and forth, and everyone is swearing the whole time. Sure, it's a lot hilarious because <laughs> there's all kinds of shit going on. Yeah. Um, but it's also really funny because it shows a little bit of the awakening of women's racing alongside or within the Tour of Flanders. Uh-huh. And there's one there's one exchange that it is like the most brutal truth of how much credence people gave to women's racing. Okay. And so there's like, there's a finish line announcer, then there's the radio station announcer, then there's Michelle Weitz and Jose Cower. Then there's Renat, you know, like one of the, these are all the sports guys. And so they go through them and there's this exchange where the guy who's doing the radio updates has no idea who Anna van der Breggen is. Oh. Um, he has, has no idea which rider crashed on the descent of the Rio Olympics. Yeah. So he, he doesn't understand like what is possibly going on. And he, and he turns and he turns to um, this like page, basically someone who's just helping, you know, his yeah. broadcast. And he's like, he's like, uh, so she won the Olympics. Right. And then, uh, and then who's this Bronzini? Uh, who's this other one? Yeah. And then he goes on the radio and he starts to say what this guy just told him that he definitely didn't know. No way. Um, but at the same time, there's, uh, there's uh, Rochelle Gilmore and Jose Bain who are um, commentating for TV, who obviously know who the riders are, what they're doing, what they won, like why they're in the lead, how they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it like, totally shows this gap you know and 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 at the same time they're saying it's the 15th women's tour of flanders yeah like really it's been 15 <laughs> tour of flanders and like this the national radio guy still doesn't have any idea what's going on um That's but nice. i was watching that thing and i just it illustrated where people are constantly changing their ideas and hopefully learning new things and and building on them and Flanders classic seems like they're doing okay. But you know, as a, as an overall UCI is definitely not pushing women's sports enough. And, and if they are, they're doing it with, with these loopholes in it that still exist. But anyone mm-hmm. who's interested in that should definitely watch these. Great answer. <laughs> um, I have some Edmontel too. If I breeze over. Another perfect segue. God. So because these are questions, um, you'll never guess what I did today. And because this is a question, um, mm. would you care to guess what I did today? It, it might have to do with my distraction. 
This is a two-part answer, actually. Did um, is this something that you've put off doing for a while? Uh, uh, yes. You probably wouldn't guess this under normal circumstance. So it's I'll not taxes. No, no, I need to do that. <laughs> okay. Although now I have till July. Uh, exactly. Um, did you go running? No, that's very hard. <laughs> this was very hard also. Uh, here's a big hint. You and I talked about it yesterday in reference to something that Phil Gaiman did once upon a time. Oh, nice. Good. Okay. So uh, we were talking about drinking our favorite beverage at the, you know, um, solid Vermont IPA. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that one of the things you keep seeing on the side of the road are cans of Sip of Sunshine in the ditches that line every single dirt road throughout the entire state of Vermont. Which, over the course of a week, all of a sudden become unearthed, as it were, because the snow melts Springtime and all of a sudden... flowers. You see, you see bright <laughs> yellow bulbs, colors on the side of the road. The, the bulbs are, you know, coming up out of the, oh, the slimy dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So? So um, I said, hey, do you remember when Phil did a trash pickup on the side of Latigo or Topanga? Came and I said, no, I didn't. Malibu, and you said, no, I don't remember. But so what did you guys, what did you do? I woke up this morning, and then this will be a good segue to the other big thing I did this morning. Um, yeah, I was like, you know what? I've seen a lot of trash out on the roads. We are, I don't know, 800 feet from the road-ish. Mm-hmm. And I said, I've seen a few bits of trash, especially when I'm coming home, but really not many. And so I went out with my big rubber gloves because I don't want to like hit a hypodermic needle that I didn't see under the dirt. <laughs> and I had a trash bag, and I threw a bunch of trash into a bag. All said and done, okay, I literally went the whole width of the road, mm-hmm. a quarter mile, maybe an eighth of a mile and an eighth of a mile, did both sides on a stretch of road that was just outside of our driveway that I would not expect to see a lot of trash in the first place. How much? Probably 30 pounds. Insane. Hands down, number one thing I picked up, which is which is just mind numbing, is cigarette butts. Ugh. Which sucks yeah. because you know they're hell, they're they're the the bane of health. They're awful. Mm. They're so small, so they're hard to they're pick hard up. to pick up. Yeah. And then exactly. how am I going to get thirty pounds of friggin' cigarette butts? <laughs> Next most popular item, and granted, it rained last night, so some right. of the stuff is going to be waterlogged. Right. No, a little yeah, bit of paper, sure. a lot of beer cans a couple sip of sunshine beer cans. So come on people. That, not to say that that is my, my pandemic distraction. Although I felt <laughs> every time a car drove by, there was like this, this feeling of superiority. Like this is my civic duty for the day. What are you doing? Or it's your, your community service and you've yeah. been ordered to do it. And what is that yeah. on, on your ankle? Exactly. It is a strange, right? Like you've been on bike rides or driven on the road when you see people picking up trash on the side of the road and you think, eh, that's like a good deed, but kind of a weird thing to do. This is the first yeah. time I've ever done it. Yeah. I felt very good about it. It is breathtaking how much trash I got from an area that I wouldn't have expected to see trash. Yeah. Well, and the whole time I was thinking, I wonder how much trash there is north of the border in, in 
this wonderful place, this <laughs> that Tim calls Canada. There are still human beings here who right. have all the faults that you would expect. Um, they're still all the same stuff. But so the, the picking up trash thing is kind of like a mountain biker who does a trail day for the first time uh-huh. and is like, wow, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, they're the ones who are not skidding into every corner or shooting um, down a switchback because mm-hmm. they want a faster Strava descent time, whatever. Yep. Um, that's nice. Good for you. Good job. I'm good about that. Yeah. Um, my other distraction is building uh, brush piles. So I have a lot of, lot of land and a lot of trees that are of ill health. And yeah. so they fall down. And so cutting them up and putting them into piles. And of course, as soon as I make a bunch of piles, no more burning. (laughs) How many chainsaws do you own? Uh, Just one. And it's, I get made fun of by my, uh, my friends who are way more Canadian. (laughs) Like, cause they're actual lumberjacks and they have better ones. I grew up, I grew up with a dad who was like a major tree cutter who worked on cars and worked at GE. Like I, I know what, you know, chain oil is and and why you mix gas. And like, I I had probably 20 chainsaws growing up. And so I've only got one and it's like, I don't know, the cheesiest, it's the Toyota Prius of chainsaws. Uh, it's not electric, but it's not that no, far off. Is it electric? Okay. No. <laughs> Have no. you ever sharpened your chainsaw? I sharpened the blade, yeah. So I got a couple blades and, uh-huh. uh, sorry, a couple chains and I just sharpen them on the thing and put it back on and, and go. Nice. But I also have the sweet chaps. So if you ever want to feel cool, man, you put on a pair of blaze orange chaps with protective yeah. layers so that you don't cut your legs apart. Uh-huh. Um, that's always the thing. Like when you're a cyclist, you just assume that you are a baby bird who's going to fall out of the nest and die. Like uh-huh. you can't do anything. You can't, you can't possibly pick anything up. Like you just end up being like this little crunched little old person. And, uh, should I bring Hazel back on? Like, <laughs> exactly. She, I, I heard she's flying on the, on the QOMs. Like she's, yeah. she's, she's gonna moving. Crush. She's yeah. moving. Her bones are literally hollow. So she's got a great, great advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always afraid of like, you know, cutting my leg apart when my chainsaw kicked back. Yeah. So I went, I went on YouTube and I got the face shield yeah. and I got the chaps and my jacket is just bright orange thing. And I've got these gloves with like metal pieces in them. No way. Like the chain uh, mail. Dude, yeah. you could be like a, man, if you took that exact outfit and went back to like jousting days, you could win <laughs> in the medieval times. Yeah, you you against Heath Ledger wearing all yeah. that stuff, you'd totally uh, crush. <laughs> outstanding. Man, oh man. We, we um, should cut trees someday. It'd be fun. We own we have such a perfect property for like a total noob <laughs> lumberjack. We own ten acres here in Vermont and it's Gentleman largely farmer. just wide open field. Although we had a crazy uh Halloween flood last year, and so there's a stream that runs down our yard. And a tree literally fell from the other the 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 bank on the other side of the um, the stream, which was a river that raging day, and it fell from our neighbor's property on our property. So now we got a tree out in the yard that I got to go cut down. October to now, really? Well, I've seen that the tree went down, but we've had this great field of snow that I haven't been able to deal with. And furthermore, I don't own chaps nor a face mask and especially a, a, a chainsaw. I like to have spring, spring sponsored, activities. Sponsored yeah. by steel S T I H L. 
that would be amazing. Yeah, you could get hooked up and you'd be like, out there, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that would be a great sponsor to pursue. Yeah. Segway. I love my segways. They're always so smooth. Lear. L-E-E-R. Yeah. What is Lear? Where, where did you pick that one up? It's been a that long time. The, uh, tell me what Lear is, and then I'll tell you where I picked it okay. up. Okay. So that uh, Lear makes truck caps. That's so right. I knew I've seen it. I was like, back of a pickup. Okay. Yeah, you've, you've driven behind a million pickups with the Lear cap. They also do yeah. the Ace, Ace or R, A-R-E ones. Yep. Um, but that was a sponsor that I had. I, I was sponsored by a Toyota, by Lear, and by Thule, and all three mixed. And so I ended up with this brand-new Toyota Tundra yeah. with 24-inch chrome wheels on the Tundra, uh-huh. a sweet cap on the back, and that's uh-huh. what we towed our trailer to go all the, all the cross races with. So I had that for a couple of years. It was awesome. Okay. It's pretty sweet. Was it a Lear that we broke the wind? The, yes. The- you didn't break it. So in the original 200 on 100, mm-hmm. we're getting into the pickup in the park in the parking lot of the crappy little motel at the mm-hmm. border. Mm-hmm. And we come out and Chan or someone comments about the window being out. Mm-hmm. So that was Chandler working on my house. He was renovating our our you know our property and and he was using a table saw and he's like rushing through all these cuts and rushing through the cuts and he goes on the table saw and he's not using the guard and he slips and a, and a board goes like 30 feet into the driveway and smashes right through this side window of my rear cap. Oh my God. And I was like, I wasn't home. I came back from a ride and Chance in there going like doesn't say anything. Yeah. And I go over and there's a pile of glass and uh-huh. you know, no window in my truck. I'm like, Chan, way to go, buddy. Nice work. Glad you Which is amazing. That it, I mean, it purely went through the window. It didn't dent the truck. It didn't injure the no. truck otherwise. No. It made for easy access when you needed a wheel so long as yeah. you didn't cut it yourself was. on the shards of glass. On the right-hand side, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well... The original question, Lear. So I was like, I should do a little more due diligence before I dive into this Tim Johnson. Like I know Tim in a whole bunch of superficial and sub-superficial and sub-sub-sub-sub-sub-superficial ways. But you are OG in the fact that you were creating content back in 2008, my friend. I watched the Nine Ball Diaries. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sponsored by Lear. 6 a.m. today. We're up early. We're feeding. Oh my god! Tell me you didn't. Tell me you didn't. It was amazing. (laughs) Wasn't that good? It was great. There's (laughs) so much. I mean, like Don Hampton, from short socks to just like the who's who of mid '90s. Well, late. I mean, not '90s. Mid '90s. Come on, mid 2000s. Mid 2000s. Sorry, mid to late 2000s. That was that was fantastic. That was uh, that was Don Hampton, who was an uh, Emmy Award winning director, um, mm-hmm. who was one of the guys who worked with Aaron Chase and his crew when they started jibbing on bikes. Like Aaron oh. is the guy who, whenever you look at what um, 
what's his face? God, why am I blank on his name? Trek, jump rider. Come on. Uh, no, like Crankworks um, video, video with like one cut grass. On yeah, the he does the whole thing on like three different bikes. God, we are totally siloing ourselves if I can't remember his name. I blame that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shit. Um, but anyways, Aaron Chase was one of the original guys to, to ride a bike and do, do really hard, fun stuff on nothing. Basically that was his jam. He could ride, he could ride something and make it look super fun. He could do, he was doing like foot plants off the top of like quarter pipes when no one ever thought of doing that. He basically took a skateboard and turned it into his 26 inch mountain bike. Um, But Don Hampton was along for the ride and, and Don was filming it and shooting it and cutting it. And like, they put out these DVDs. And, and so this whole generation of these riders who were riding mountain bikes, doing stuff that became, you know, dirt jumping and, and freestyle mountain biking, basically, even though it wasn't, um, he was one of those guys and he worked with Cannondale a lot. And so he came up with the idea of, Hey, you know, we want to do something. Let's, let's shoot. Um, and so Cannondale was like, well, cyclocross, like, it's, it's cheap. It's easy. You know, Tim's on a cross bike this year. Like let's yeah. figure it out. And so that became the nine ball diaries. We had no budget. Um, ah. but we ended up shooting in a year where the storyline was really good because it was the points chase and yeah. competing as same people a couple weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Um, there were so many races that he didn't go to because we didn't have budget that would have even, you know, would have been so much better to show and, and then it culminates with nationals and like, like that was like the best nationals ever. Yeah. Um, and that became that ball diaries. Yeah. Man, um, oh man. <laughs> How much like 2008 is not an era in which anybody would ever say the term I'm producing content. No. So, given, given what you guys were doing in 2008 <clears throat> produced that. Well, sorry, it was 2007 was the season. It came out in 2008, if my IMDB is correct. It is, um, yes. Did you feel like you were doing something on the cutting edge or was it annoying to be like, all right, there's this dude having with a camera in my face? Was it just one guy? Like, uh, two about that process. Two, yeah. Um, so if you remember, there's a segment where we're riding single track. That's in Topsfield. Yeah. Um, I was living in Beverly. I would ride my cross bike on single track to get ready for cross season. I was still doing, you know, tour of Missouri was that year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tour of Georgia, I think it was mm-hmm. the last year of it. Um, tour of California. Like I was racing all the American tours and then going literally from Sunday night at tour Missouri partying all night and then going to cross Vegas on Wednesday night. Like that's, that was the off season was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then (laughs) poof, here you go. And, uh, and so like one of the segments is riding is riding a cross bike on single track. And that was what I did normally. That's what I like to do. You know, we didn't have a ton of gravel roads, but I always rode them because I, you know, we were cross riders. Um, so when he came out and filmed that, we shot some barriers. It was my mom's backyard. He literally made a track for the camera mm-hmm. out of PVC pipe. No way. With joints. And he yeah. made the PVC pipe like 40 feet long. 
And so that's me riding up to the barriers in my mom's backyard and then, you know, back up and over. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's got the dolly running down the tracks and, and there's the tracking shot. And it looks beautiful when you see it. Right. The matchup to that shot is at Cross Nationals. It's December. It's snowing and shitty and cold. He's got two guys, two cameras, and they're trying to shoot an hour-long race, and I'm in the fight. And he's like posted up on a corner uh, with a run-up, and then he can get another shot. And so he looks over, and he sees Bill Marshall, who is putting on the race, and he's like, hey, can I jump on the back of that four-wheeler and get a shot? Mm -hmm. And Bill's like, oh, fuck yeah, sure. And so Mm -hmm. he gets in the back of this thing, and they go – all the way to the other end of this like gravel paved path. And they wait for me to come around and there's Don with like a big camera. This is not like a little, little digital thing with like a, you know, squirrel hanging out. This right? is like, like this thing on, has better technology right exactly. now. Has camera. He's yeah. got a broadcast camera and he's on the back of this four wheeler bouncing along. And he takes a tracking shot of me going through like kind of tricky stuff and then getting off into a run up. And mm-hmm. that was like the the best shot of the entire thing. So I, f- I feel like at that point, it was taking what was something totally normal for us, putting in someone else who has a creative eye, mm-hmm. and other skills, and he was able to shoot it and it came out great. I mean, I'm not a fan of like the, uh, you know, the interludes, the pool scenes, like all that shit, but it was awesome otherwise. <laughs> There's something about those parts that just dates it so well also. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are very good with a mic in your hand. <laughs> and if it weren't him feeding you cheesy lines, I would realize <laughs> that you would say something a oh. little more creative. What about the voiceover? So the yeah. voiceover was Philly the next summer. Yeah. So, so Nationals was December 2007, Philly 2008. So that's June 2008. Yep. We did the voiceover in a day's in in Trenton. Oh, no way. I'm underneath a fucking comforter yeah. talking into a mic uh-huh. with lines that, was, that were pre-written. <laughs> I've got a, a roommate, I think it was Brad White, who's like napping. Yeah next to me who doesn't want to hear me talking so i'm like covered in this disgusting comforter reading these lines that don had fed me and i was like oh god this is the worst (laughs) but it's like great acoustics there's no echoing going on under that comforter (laughs) man no man that's where the full circle is because i think he raced (laughs) in trenton in the middle of in in one uh race within the video Long story short, folks, if you have not seen the Nine Ball Diaries, like I've been aware of this thing, having grown up in New England and know who Jim Johnson is, but I have not seen this video until now. Mm. It took Googling. It took finding um, that it's available on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's on Amazon. Go for it. We'll tweet it tonight. Yeah, I subscribed. Um, I watched it and I quickly unsubscribed from the network that I had to get in order to watch it. It's good stuff. I was fascinated. I'm glad that you hooked Hazel up so early in her life yeah. with the Nine Ball Diaries. Oh my I gosh. really appreciate that. There were certain aspects, like the voiceover, like the pool scene that are like, it's so perfect to place it, right? That's like almost, it's like Top Gun. It's amazing. It's cheesy as hell, but it's amazing. And you have, <laughs> you've done mighty fine work with that. 
Thank okay, you. so now when I say <laughs> one of these particular names, I would like you to give me, I don't know, either a name or a phrase that comes to mind when it, what it was like to race either with them or against them. Oh, God. Okay? Yeah, I know. You're on the spot. This is it? Yeah, yeah. Todd Wells. Uh, one word or phrase. Amazing. Big fan of Todd's. Nice. Uh, current Gravel Ripper, who's the name I'm going to say now? Current Gravel Ripper. Payson doesn't rip. No, no, no. Um, sorry, sorry. These names are all, I shouldn't say, all these names are featured in Nine Ball Diaries. Oh, featured in Nine Ball Diaries. Yeah. He's a Canuck, just like yourself. Kabush. Yeah. Uh, he's Kabush. not a ripper. He's not a ripper at all. He won the first big race of the season. He beat he, he, Gravel yeah, Ruiner. Uh, he ripped the descent, but uh, no one would ever, ever say that he's a ripper. Okay, sorry. He's like a, a blunt instrument at this point. Accurate at <laughs> the, the state of his career, yes. All right, Jeff Kabush. Independent. Gravel uh, Ripper. Shimei and push-ups. And, and... How good is that? I have a great story about Jeff Kabush. Yeah. Also, go back in the internet archives, uh-huh. Google uh, Jeff Kabush shotgun Yao Ming. Whoa. Whoa. Your, your mind will literally explode. Okay. So this is closing Time ceremonies. Out, internet. Time out. Press pause right now, everybody. <laughs> it's not a long video because this, this is when data was really hard to save. Yeah. This is when phones have like, you know, 50 megabytes yeah. you could possibly fill. No so closing ceremonies, Beijing 2008, everyone's in the field. Jeff Kabush challenges Yao Ming to a shotgun competition. What? And fucking crushes him. So that's your mistake that you weren't there to do that to him because you would have beat both of those guys. I know you have a skill that no one else does. <laughs> but there is a video. It is blurry. It is loud. It is like the light, you know, the, it's all yeah. messed up. But Kabush beat Yao Ming in a, in a fucking, in China at the Olympics. That's nuts. Home okay. court advantage oh. couldn't hold him. <laughs> not that that can be beat, and this will not beat that. But if you'd like to see a podium to that, ladies and gentlemen, make sure you Google the other things that you just said, which is Jeff Kabush, Shimei push-ups. Just Google, yep. Google that. That is yep. outstanding. That's good. Class, content. Classy, classy move mm. to put that up on the internet. Yep. <laughs> Jeremy Powers. Jeremy, uh, I, I would say boomerang at this point. We have found each other again after nice. many years of like, battling on and off the bike and um i think it really came to you know it came it came to like heart to heart mm-hmm. when he came up here and i taught him how to schemo and then yes. we went nordic skiing the next day he made a video for gcn it was nice. hilarious yeah um but we talk all the time now and so it's been great even though he's a New Englander, he's he's got soft skin. He's he's always he's from Connecticut, dude. That's well, I know. <laughs> the North Mid Atlantic states. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jesse Anthony. Brother. Brother I didn't have. Yeah. Man, he's so young in that. Yeah. Like you you hardly see him, but then you just do some math and you're like, well, you're probably a teenager right now. 
I, I um, met him when he was 12. So at that point, he was already getting pretty old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Jonathan Page. Page, man. Enigma? Yeah. Uh, not really a nemesis in the fact that, like, he was successful on his own without yeah. me. Um, then we definitely battled pretty hard a lot of times, and it got, it got ugly at, at times. Yeah. Um, and I would say like at the intersection of all of that is a fellow Vermonter, Jerry Chabot, who is like <laughs> best buds with, with JP. And in the old days of news groups would like talk shit about me all the time. And, and I have become friends with Jerry yeah. and, you know, Jonathan is now living out West and like in, and off the bike, but man, we had some battles out there. Oh, that's funny. Big time. Good, good spectrum of people right there. Yeah. How much do you think is battles and, and the way you just described it has to do with geography? Like you had a, you guys are both excellent bike handlers in adverse conditions. And so therefore like fighting for uh, spots and sponsorships and, and race wins and so on and so forth. How much, like the fact that you both are coming from roughly the same, he's from Massachusetts, right? Connecticut originally. Uh, yeah. So North Mid Atlantic States. Yeah. Um, I we, mean, he was from like so Kentucky he was a year. Well, yeah. I mean, he was a year older than me. He yeah. was. Uh, he, he's an incredible talent for sure. Like when mm-hmm. he was a he was a junior national cross champ, and then a couple hours later got uh, second, I think, in the elites. Back when he was still a junior, mm-hmm. and then he wins nationals um, four times, I think. Um, he gets second at worlds. Like he's got these huge results that, that I don't have. I'm, I would have won nationals four times, but whatever. It's a whole other story. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we were, we were in the same generation for sure. And we just, we literally went like this, you know, he, he chose his path of going to Belgium and like sticking it out no matter what and doing it this way. And, and I totally went another way. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, I went to, uh, instead of living in Belgium for another year after I kind of like tried it and I just really didn't love it. It wasn't great for me. I ended up breaking my collarbone just before worlds. And like, I, it was, it's funny to go back and spend time in Europe and, and talk to, uh, talk to Bart Wellens or Sven Nice or like, you know, all the guys that were, that we were all racing together and talk about what these decisions were really like. And, and they, they look at me and they're like, well, you were American. Of course you went home. Yeah. Well, Jonathan didn't go home. He yeah. stayed and he's yeah. like, I'm going to do this. And all, I think almost all of his kids are born in Belgium. You know, he lived there and, and totally fought the good fight. Um, you know, in our case, like I was racing in the U S and, and, uh, you know, r- trying to race on the road because that's where I could get a salary. I could actually make a living at it. Um, mm-hmm. I gave up cross entirely to focus on the road and now it's a mistake. But at the time, like I thought I was making the right choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, yeah, we definitely really veered in very different directions. Um, and we really only came back together again a couple of times in nationals. Besides yeah. that, we didn't race together very much. Yeah. No. And everything's a story. Like everything's so, there's so many levels of complexity to it. And that's, that is a, 
There's a great story that Sven Nice told me at dinner this year at Worlds that literally made me cry that someday someday I'll tell you about. But it's like we all play, um, we all have our lives, right? And everyone's doing their thing and, and making the decisions we make and living the experiences and uh-huh. you know, living right. the outcomes. From these two eyes. Yeah. From these two eyes. Yeah. And people come in and out. And so... For me, at that time, <clears throat> I was racing as I was the weird American who got a medal. Yep. So I get invited back to Europe. I'm, I'm living with Bart Wellens, who's a silver medalist, world champion of worlds. Like he's the next big guy to come. Sven is a year older than us. Mm-hmm. Um, I get this opportunity. I totally take advantage of it as best as I can. I definitely don't call it a success but at the same time it was like a big transition period in my life like you know I had left college to go race in Belgium like I made these decisions to go and you know whatever Mm -hmm. it just it wasn't it wasn't for me and I went home but anyways my life continues and so I end up having dinner with Sven again at Worlds and uh, he tells a story about how I was a part of his life and we we see each other every year, maybe, mm-hmm. but this was the first time we've ever had like this deep of a conversation. And I was like, my jaw was like to the floor and I was crying and I was like, Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. you don't always know what you, what part you play in someone else's life until you have the opportunity to tell each other. And mm-hmm. so, you know, people who go through a career, all of a sudden all of those stories and all of those experiences are now up for grabs again and, you know, he's still spend nice. Like he's still the, the, you know, the best guy to ever ride a cross bike. Yeah. So like it's coming from that guy, even though we were both kids before, yeah. you know, it's like, it's kind of funny to, to see how that plays out, but man, yeah. A, a career in, in cycling gives us a lot of different viewpoints on things mm-hmm. and, you know, the stories that, that you can tell, when they become more clear to you, they, they really are involving all these different people and however they played a part. It's like, you, you know, I think that with age, you like, you want to reach out and be like, Hey, remember that time? Well, that mm-hmm. meant this to me. And this mm-hmm. was one of those times for him. It was really cool. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> um, that is awesome. I mean, yeah. What a freaking legend. Uh, I don't know. To, yeah, I mean, to even have opened up in that about that in the first place, right? He could have just as easily. I don't know where the room was that you're having this dinner, but I can picture it being like it was like a ten person table, and there are photos of the both of us talking, and it's like I can picture you just like crying in the corner. Like, oh, <laughs> it's awesome. It's a good photo. I'll show you later. Okay. Well, this is great because I kid you not. The next question I have on here, and the answer does not have to be Sven Nice, but as I watch uh, Nine Ball Diaries and I see like great throwback faces, throwback in the contemporary, Richard Fries has been, you know, part of the cycling community, especially in New England, but then on a national, international scale for eons. I see him there. And I see uh, one of the better ones is when uh, Chris Zygmunt is interviewing you with the Pedros hat on, and he's both commentating and working for Pedros at the time. Mm-hmm. The question is, who have been your mentors over the years? 
Um, well, I'm glad that you said who have been rather than who was or, you know, what person was because I didn't have just one. It was, it was, um, it was really a collective effort as far as my career went. And as far as who I am as a person, I think there's a lot of overlap in that. Um, the guy that, the guy that probably did the most for my career is, um, is Steve Martin, the comedian on Twitter, Steve Pucci. Um, <laughs> Steve Pucci's avatar is Steve Martin. Yes, it is. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Pooch. Pooch. Pooch is, um, you know, New England uh, foundation icon. piece. Yeah, icon. Like he's, he's been... He's been a part of a lot of people's careers in cycling, but he's also been a friend to a lot of people and has been someone who's like very much uh, an idea that you are familiar with, even if you've never met him, like you understand like who this person is and what he does. Um, but he was really good about telling me like, Hey, it seems like you really like to ride bikes. It, it, you look like you are probably pretty good at them, but unless you get your shit together, none of that really matters. Like you got to actually like channel what you're doing. And I never really understood that. No one ever told me that. So that was a big, a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Bruce Fina, who I don't think he made nine ball diaries. No, he didn't. Bruce of he's over in Austria, Austria. Yeah. And you told me about Bruce. I met him once and he was like, when I met him, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm not a weirdo. Tim can vouch for me. I'm like, (laughs) all right. Exactly. Well, he was, he came yeah, up he to me at uh, Red Bones in Somerville after like um, you know a spring mass bike party. This is like 1997, maybe 1998. Uh, I think I was back from college at that time, yeah. and uh, he just became a, a really good friend. But he was also in the industry. He started Pedro's. He's he's running this this business, and I end up working for him a couple years later. Uh, which is like working um, and we just become really good friends. And he kind of helps me, he helps me with contracts. He helps me understand that like you as a cyclist, this is person, you got to do the riding, you got to do the training, you got to do the, you got to learn how to race, but you also have to do the business side of it. So it's always like I had all of those pieces because of someone like Bruce to be able to share that with me. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Like Richard is, is, um, you know, in a lot of ways was, uh, like, like a, not a culture, like, um, people, people who like understand that there is always going to be another version to what's happening. Like Richard is always counter culture, but not so counter that no one listened to him. Like he was always like, yeah, but what about these guys? They're, they don't think of it the same way. Have you ever thought about listening to them? And so at that point, it was like advocacy. I worked at the Ride Magazine, a regional regional magazine for New England that was talking about cycling. Man. And he would post these things about, oh, there's a new bike path in development. It's going to go from um, Arlington, or downtown Boston or Arlington out to Concord or Carlisle. Um, we should get behind it. Like we should, like racers should get behind it. And be like, what do, you, what do we care about a bike path for? That's lame. Yeah. Like who cares about that? And then he becomes a really big part of what I do or what I did with people for bikes and like raising money for them and and talking about how advocacy is a crucial part to what we do as cyclists. We're out there on the roads all the time. We're living, breathing bikes. And yet 
at that point, no one ever thought about caring what a commuter did because they were the weirdos with the, with the little mirrors, you know, like, you know, screw those guys. They're not racers like us. They're not as cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Richard always did that. Zygmunt, I have a photo of the 1993 Junior Sport uh, New England mountain bike series where he is giving me my prize on the podium at a oh, race. Man. And 93. How old was Tim Johnson? 93. 93. I was 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so there's Zig handing yeah. me my pile of tubes and a seat. <laughs> <laughs> like one tire. <laughs> one, tire. one tire. Yeah. yeah. You're I a sport, young man. I hope it's an Anza because yeah. I want I want an Anza. Um, <laughs> but there's Zig, you know, I think I got actually, this might've been a really pretty sweet prize. It was a mountain Smith hip pack. Which, if you remember, at the time, Mountain Smith was super badass. If mm-hmm. you went into an REI at that point, like the Mountain Smith section was like all these killer hip packs. And yeah. you were really cool if you rode a mountain bike with a hip pack back then. Yeah. It took like 20-something years to come back around, but, you know, still there. It's well, old as new again. That's amazing. Yeah, um, so yeah if you have one of those now, you could, you, could, you could get a small killing. Yeah. It's like old school North Face. Yeah. <laughs> So those people have always been a part of what I've done and, and we're all, we're all still friends. You know, the Mahoney brothers, like, um, you know, being, being together, doing our first race ever, like literally our first beginner mountain bike race okay. we all did it together. Wow. We're all still friends. Paul Boudreau puts on, you know, put on gravel, uh, Gloucester cross race for a long time. You know, yep. he was there Fat yep. Sean. So the four of us, sorry, five of us, John and Andrew Mahoney, Fat Sean and Paul, um, we're still friends, Man. you know, we had a 25th anniversary at kingdom trails. We rented a house and rode our new bikes, but we brought all of our old bikes. So yeah. I brought my climb attitude and Paul brought his, his Rigen and we brought a Miata and <laughs> we rode bikes and sat around and drank beer. It was awesome. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Cool. Well done. Yeah. It's fun, man. So yeah, you gotta, I don't know, like, I think about a lot of people nowadays um, who are getting their start in the sport. And I feel like there's such reliance and like the people who are perceived as knowing what to do because mm-hmm. they're like big on the internet or they've got a yeah. coaching business. And I don't know, there's just so much more to it than whether or not you can ride a bike fast, especially, yep. you know, especially now. Which takes time and perspective to appreciate. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, you and I have, been in those places to, to not appreciate what Richard is saying, to be focused on the interval, to be focused on a contract year, to yeah. be like, I can't pay attention to that right now. No, no. Um, well, I kid you not, this was one of my questions. We're going we're gonna to wrap before hitting all 19 of my COVID-19s. <laughs> uh, can you imagine what you'd be doing if you weren't riding a bike? I mean, I am kind of done now. Well, that's why I went back. Uh my fridge is like more than arm's length. Uh, I need it. This is my office. I really need to work on my... Well, I made my I made guacamole earlier. <laughs> so as much as you're eating your baguette and your 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 brie, I ate my guac earlier. So I have not... Been I um, there you go. <laughs> Take it down. You need like a toaster in there in your fridge within mm. distance. If it's fresh, you don't need a toaster. You know that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Okay. What do you got? That was the question. What? What, are, what would you be doing if you did not ride a bike? If, if cycling had never hit your, your radar, 
or, I mean, it might be a foolish question. Like there's a certain point, you know, my, my answer to that is if I didn't ride a bike, then I would have gone to the, the direction of economics degree at Middlebury because that's where I found cycling and that's where that yeah. convergence happened. Yeah. Like where did cycling hit your life? And if you didn't jump to it, if you didn't say, okay, yeah, I'm going to try to veer left when I should dodge right, where would you be? Uh, so I have a couple of different factors that I, that I think matter greatly in trying to answer that. So when I was hit by cycling, I was definitely well on my way towards not doing anything substantial or important or even safe or drugs. You were doing a lot of drugs. (laughs) We're doing a lot of drugs and, but not just that, but we're, we're kind of like shitting on recreational drugs, people. We're talking yeah. about like weed. Exactly. Yeah. We were, my group of friends, of my group of friends, there are not many who have made it out of that phase of their lives. Let's put it that way. So we were shitting on life. And I think that that was uh, a great time to find bikes, which allowed me to like put my energy somewhere, focus on something. I still rode as far as I could to go get, to go party or, you know, do whatever we did. But, Um, at least it gave me something to do. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was a huge determinant on whether or not I would have done something else if I didn't find bikes, um, in a perfect world without that, you know, without that major influence in my life. Um, you know, I did, I did have a lot of good people around me at, at the time I was listening to them, but, um, I think that, I don't know, like I've always had a lifelong, um, appreciation for animals. Like if I could have ever pulled my shit together to become a vet or like to work with animals in some way, I think I totally would have, cause it's just something that I love to do. Um, if, if I you could, hadn't been able to pull it together to be a vet, I can picture you like <laughs> working in a zoo. <laughs> I love you, Rhino. I'm going <laughs> to, Oh my God, that guy's a Rhino whisperer. Like how, how has he not gotten gored yet? <laughs> he's, yeah, kept he's, it, he's kept it out of his gut the whole time. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I, I don't know. I think that would have been kind of cool. Um, yeah. There's, there's a great, uh, there's a conservation place in Ojai, California, Ojai, a place we both love. Lovely um, I saw Ted dance in there once. Did you? Good story. Let me interrupt. Go for it. We're going down the one main road and I was on my bike and Ted Danson was in the car and I was, the window was down and he was in the passenger seat. I go, oh, I'm so bad with like hitting, uh, you yeah. know, celebrity of, names. Of celebrities. So I was like, I on the so spot. Proud. Oh, it's Ted Danson. And he looked at me and he waved and I was like, my name is Ted also. And then he hit a red light. And <laughs> okay. So there you awesome. You know why. And you knew Ted Danson. Yeah. That's good. If it was like Steve Danson, never would have gotten it. I saw Ben Stein once uh, in Denver on the S, like the walkways in the middle of the terminal. You know, you're like, you stand there. And you, ben Stein, like win Ben Stein's money. Exactly. So I'm standing on this thing and I'm like, I think it was before smartphones maybe. Yeah. Or maybe they're still coming up. They don't work all the time. And I just remember looking and I see this guy and I'm like, Hey Ben. <laughs> and that's it. And he just keeps going. And I was like, well, wow, cool. I just said this. That's great. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but what else would I have been? I think that my dream would have been to be a rally car driver. Ooh. Uh, I fucking love going fast and yeah. driving. Um, I went and bought an 84 GTI because that's what I had as a car when I was 19, uh-huh. like a dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed motorsports. I watch it all the time. Like mm-hmm. I, I really love how it works and, and how people do things. And I like the, the thought process behind it. Um, like an idiot, I didn't pick up um, The Art of Racing in the Rain, the book. Yeah. If you've ever seen it in the bookstore, I went past it a million times flying airport to airport and I never picked it up. I finally read it and I was like, oh my God, this is the best book ever as I like ball my eyes out at the end of it. <laughs> the movie comes out and I love the movie. Yeah. It's, it's got animals in it. You know, it's got dogs. Um, so yeah, probably a rally car driver. Are yeah. you watching any uh, Drive to Survive season two? I did, yeah. Oh, man. So good. I'm in a book club coming up. I don't know when we're going to uh, put this out to the internet, but we're going to do a book club on April 16th, day after tax day, yeah. 1.0, The Rider. The Rider? You know The Rider? Oh, my what gosh. Book? The uh, By Tim Crabby. Hey, oh, or- yes. Yes, it's fiction, right? It's, it's fiction, and it's a journalist who talks about his amateur racing career but it's like i read it probably 15 years ago and it hits on every little nerdy nuance of cycling and i'm like all right this is cute i get it and then i i was out on a bike ride and i listened to it because it's a very quick read i think and it's I read so that. perfect because it's like it is the thought process of a very well written journalist talking about what it's like to be a cyclist I'm like oh man this is good stuff i'll, I'll check it out um yeah, if right. you want to if you want to watch something on Amazon also, but it's going to be in French. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bicycle, mm-hmm. the the Bicyclette of Guilain Lambert. Okay. Um, and it's like made in the 2000s, early 2000s, but it's set in the 70s in Belgium. Nice. And it's a, a bike racer who becomes a professional. And the, uh, the actor is like this famous Belgian... French actor pull uh-huh. pull or something. You when you see would him, you, him? Would, you would. Okay, um, but it's great, and it's got all the hits, like everything that you've ever done or seen. He does it in the movie, and mm-hmm. like some of them, you're going like this, and then some of you're yeah. like, "Yeah, buddy." Yeah, and then some of you're like, "You should just stop." Like yeah, 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 all yeah, the feelings yeah. that we had racing. It's a good one to look up. I'll send you the link. Please do. Yep. Well, outside of asking, when are we going to do a 200 on 100 again? Where not until the borders open up again. Um, I can hear the, the penguin cries of Hazel. Just oh, over my, over she's my still awake. Here. Yeah. So, um, Kim, I thank you very much for your time. She probably can't make 200 miles. Like, no. I'm, I'm going to say it right now, you shouldn't, you shouldn't make her do that. Even if it's just, it's this too early. takes long enough that we can we can put her on a tandem, I think her neck would probably get too bored. She would nap for some of it and then cry for many, many hours otherwise. 198 <laughs> miles, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, let's do it. 
Man, yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's funny that we talk Sip of Sunshine because I have thought about both doing the 200 on 100 and somehow figuring out a way to ride to the border and then smuggle you some sips over the, over the border. Um, we'll it's, see how this, how this quarantine, shelter-in-place hunkering down goes. It's not the Berlin Wall. It's no. not Checkpoint Charlie, but we, no. we really should look at that. Even if it's like, like you know, a beer can curling where you yeah. just like roll it across and then I get it. Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, we we'll work on trades. Like, I will do that across. for you. I want to do that for you, but I've also had some very good microbrews from your neck of the woods. It'd be like, well, you trade. Oh, I've got some Cibar, exactly. Cibar in the fridge. Um, exactly. But, uh, I, you know, I just, I feel like it's hard to ration. Rationing yeah. is like, I don't have scurvy yet, Yeah. but I feel like I can get <laughs> scurvy. <laughs> so I just want to make sure I've got a little bit of yellow just in case. <laughs> I like it. Go, go take care of Hazel. We can do this again sometime. Bye. Right. This was fun. Thanks, Thanks man. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you very much for listening my friends thank you tim for taking the time folks i do hope you enjoyed that we will continue to polish this format as we go forward with our very special subsequent guests and if this wasn't enough for you don't forget to go into that youtube channel we have some extra cuts that did not make this particular podcast if you didn't know that i have a youtube channel Go search King of the Ride. There's some awesome gravel race coverage there from all the big 2019 races. We are already releasing 2020 footage despite these strange times. We got the Oklahoma Gravel Growler from earlier this year before the pandemic hit. We also have, we are releasing just this very week, a how-to Zwift race. My friends, let me wrap up with a particular message. Now, obviously over the past, call it, 10 years or more, there's been a pressing movement to support small business and to support local. Now, obviously, this has never been a more meaningful message than right now, today, this week, this month, tomorrow, yesterday. Millions of people have been laid off and businesses are already shutting their doors. This is a reminder that all of cycling is small business. We aren't the airline industry. We aren't the automotive industry. We aren't big oil. We aren't big coal. You all know that. I've had very heartfelt and meaningful conversations over the past few weeks with all of my sponsors. And they do span the industry. So I do want to give a huge, huge shout out to all of my sponsors. Cannondale. Folocio, SRAM and Zip. Roca. Renee Ayers, Saris, Ingamba. Folks, support them. They are part of my family. I know that finances can be tight, and I know a lot of folks are actually at home spending money. Whether the time is now or later, I encourage you to spend this time researching. Look into these companies. Ask me questions about these products. Heck, loads of you already do, and I I thank you for that. I'm always happy to share my insight into these companies and products. When the timing is right, know that these sponsors are the best in the biz. They are absolute standout companies from top to bottom, and that is why I work with them. That is it from here, folks. I wish you the very best. I look forward to the next one. 
And so until next time, please enjoy the ride.